Hi, Claudio. Hello, Anam. Yes, so my guest uh, today is Dr. Claudio Contardo. Uh, he's uh, currently in Montreal uh, working for IBM. Um, hopefully he's, I think, as I, as I heard, he intends to move to Toronto uh, when it's possible. And uh, uh, he, he has a very good background in developing efficient algorithms for combinatorial optimization problems. Uh, especially exact algorithms. He did a lot of nice and important contributions in the field. Uh, some of them are even used in state-of-the-art uh, routing algorithms. And also, of course, he, he worked with other important problems such as clustering. And uh, so he's here to share some of his experiences, some, some stories. And well, so Claudio, muchas gracias. Como estas? Obrigado, Ana. Tudo bom você? Yeah, so I would like to start, uh, you know, you, you were born in Chile and late 70s. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I want to know, I mean, how was it uh, like growing up uh, in the 80s and 90s in Chile? How was it? How was the experience? So uh, so I was born in the at the end of the 70s and uh, in Valparaiso, which is uh, one hour and 30 minutes more or less from Santiago. So uh, I, I'm, I, I was born there. My parents are from Valparaiso. All my family lives in Valparaiso, except now for, for my mom and my, my brothers. And, uh, and we moved to Santiago when I was two years old because my father uh, was an electrical engineer. And the only, I mean, not the only, but he, he, the, the most of the job offers at the time were in Santiago. Valparaiso was having a crisis. And so he got this position in Santiago. So we all moved to Santiago when I was two. And then I grew up in Santiago for uh, during the 80s. And as you were saying, were saying in the 80s was uh, in the middle of Pinochet's uh, dictatorship. Oh, yeah. So growing up there was quite special. I remember going to school. You know, my mom was taking me uh, by, uh, by your hands and you know all of a sudden we were in the middle of a protest in the in downtown Santiago mm -hmm. because you know there was protests mm -hmm. like uh, almost every day I, I remember all that you know the mm -hmm. tear gas uh, making me cry you know one oh. day over two or once a week so there was this was the the uh, reality it was a normal at oh. that time okay yeah right so but I mean, uh, fortunately, by the end of the 80s, all this, uh, all this was, uh, was, was finished. But, uh, you know, when, when, when uh, at the end of the dictatorship, I was already eight or nine years old. So I remember quite well since I was four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, all what it meant to live in the middle of the dictatorship there. Oh, wow. So you were like quite aware of the, the situation, like the political situation, uh, even at that young age? Well, more or less, because, you know, the uh, the military hit a lot of, 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 of the things, you know, mm -hmm. some some many, many things the the um, the normal citizen wasn't aware of, you know, mm -hmm. people, some people, people 
uh, were talking about. They, they more or less knew there were rumors, you know, but uh, I mean, it was all hidden by the police and the military at the time. So, and I was a kid, so I, was, I wasn't very exposed to these kind of things. So it was only uh, after the dictatorship ended that uh, we we came aware of all these disgraces of that uh, you know of the um, of the military that did for uh, 17 years. Mm. Yeah, so that had a lot of impact on you probably uh, at young age. Uh, so did you have any other recollections, any other memories that m made who you are or that? Uh, made some difference, you know, in teenage years? Well, you know, we used to say that people who were born in this end of the 60s until, I don't know, mid-80s were all sons of the dictatorship, you know? Yeah. So in a certain sense, we were molded by the political situation in Chile. So mm -hmm. our, our, you know, our... Uh, our way of way of being is it's it was pretty much uh impacted by all the things that were happening around us mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i can imagine that so and during the 90s i you know, things should have improved i assume and or well, it, I, well in the 90s it was the dictatorship was gone but uh, the the back to the democracy was a very slow process, you know. Ah, okay. Pinochet, you know, mm -hmm. he gave up power. I mean, the, uh, but he remained very powerful because he, I mean, before leaving office, he's uh, left a lot of ties, political ties, mm -hmm. that made it, for instance, immune to many of the, I mean, he, he, it was very difficult to pursue him in justice uh, mm -hmm. for all the things he did. Mm -hmm. Actually, Pinochet never went to prison in Chile. Mm -hmm. The yeah. only moment in which he was in prison was in London mm -hmm. <laughs> at the end of the 90s. Yeah. So he went to London in the end of the 90s and a Spanish judge at the time, but Sacarzón, he declared him as a, a, a war criminal and, and kept him in prison in I mean, detained in London for uh, the good, I mean, for almost two years, I believe, around mm -hmm. two years. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, eventually the Chilean government um, managed to have uh, a Pinochet release and back to Chile. And then he just lived in Chile for another 15, 20 years until his death mm -hmm. without passing one single day in prison. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame. Yeah, but that, that, that story, it's, mm, I mean, you have similar stories in other countries here in South America, right? So, I mean... Yeah, Chile is just probably the, was the norm at the time, you know. Yeah. But I, I don't know, you know, in Argentina, it wasn't the same. You know, Videla died in prison mm -hmm. in Argentina. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I don't know about the military in, um, in Brazil, mm -hmm. but... Uh, yeah, you know... After the transition, uh, like from dictatorship to democracy, you know, I, 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 I like to say that people here, they forget things really quickly. So there are those people that like really suffered, uh, but there are other like historians, they, sometimes they claim that the dictatorship in other countries such as Chile and even Argentina were uh, more tough than here in Brazil. I mean, of course, it was bad as well, but 
I mean, we all share this common past of having this uh, going and surviving uh, this these types of regimen and uh, uh, you know those funny characters and politicians. So, so I, I assume you you started like college or you joined university in late 90s i think or something like that or 97 yes so i graduated from high school in 1997 uh -huh. so in 1998 i was uh, uh admitted at the university of chile mm -hmm. in the engineer, engineering oh, okay uh, as a funny story you know i'm I, be, I i i ended up being an operations researcher but when i when i was first admitted at the university of chile I was thinking about becoming a civil engineer. Ah, okay. And what happens is that uh, in in the engineering faculty in Chile, in the University of Chile, um, when you're admitted, you're admitted to um, a common courses. Right. Right. So yeah. you, you don't get to choose a uh, any specific career in advance, but you have two and a half years, five semesters of common courses so maths physics chemistry mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know so this probably f six to seven different type of maths four to five different type of, of physics courses mm -hmm. yeah and only at the end of all that you get to choose your path mm. so after two and a half years i decided i mean i i didn't want to become a, <laughs> a civil engineer and i wanted to make to, to become a mathematician so ah, I pursued the, I, I pursued the, the career of a mathematical engineer. That's my diploma. Ah, okay. So I became a mathematical engineer, oh. which is uh, an applied mathematics. Applied mathematics. Okay, okay. Uh, so so your, I was, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your first contact was, with operations research uh, was that during the undergrad? So my first. Yeah, yeah, undergrad. So uh, in undergrad, you had to follow one course on linear optimization. Okay. Yeah, right. that's that's so the first steps. Usually, is linear programming and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was linear programming and some integral programming, but very basic, right? Mm -hmm. so, Branch and uh, bound and probably something. Yes. Like. Yes. This kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, but there was another in undergrad. Then and so so this actually this was in the first five semesters, as I told you in the in the common courses. Mm -hmm. Then when I when I started the the uh, specialization courses of mathematical engineering. Mm -hmm. um, then I had to I had one course in combinatorial optimization, mm -hmm. which which was specific for people pursuing the career in mathematical engineering. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So I watched uh, it's a linear programming, but pushed to the limits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so more um, a lot more advanced. Uh, like interior and point then, methods, stuff, stuff like that, or uh, I, yeah, I th yeah, I think it was interior point methods. What part of the of the program? Of the, of the yeah, of the program, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also also other types of optimization. I had to take courses in convex analysis, in nonlinear programming, like oh. general nonlinear programming. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what else? And then other courses in some other things. So PDE. Um, mm -hmm. I was ter I was terrible at PDs. I hated PDs. And I don't know why, for what reason. Now <laughs> now I started liking them, but uh, at that time uh, I remember it was it was so painful the PDA PDE <laughs> courses. Uh -huh. uh, prob probability, to... statistics, mm. uh, um, 
we're exposed algebra. to algebra, Q in theory, uh, and all that. Uh, Markov yeah, chains. Yes, 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 all that. Simulation. I mean, yeah, but but push to the limits. I mean, for instance, I had to take a course in in measure and in and integrality. How mm -hmm. do you say? So it was uh, so basically we learned probabilities, but from the in, from the very roots of probability theory. Okay. You know, yeah. so what makes a set measurable with respect to what? So how you can come, I mean, and from there you can start computing probabilities, but it's just some very abstract concepts and this, and only toward the end, you were basically capable of seeing, okay, so this has application on this and that and that and that. It was, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy of, of what I chose as a, as a career path because it allowed me to, to think in a very abstract way. So uh, the capacity of, of abstraction, which is difficult to, to, I mean, it's not straightforward to, sure. to, to develop, but yeah, uh, in that program, basically we were forced to develop this type of, uh, I won't say intuition because most of the things that you learn, but the first thing that you learn actually, you learned to not trust intuition. Right. So, uh, <laughs> So, uh, so be, be, become a, a mathematical engineer basically uh, meant uh, trust the math. Mm -hmm. Don't trust. I mean, I mean, don't trust just to intuition. Yeah. So your intuition must be back my math. The math, right? And mm -hmm. like, how long did it take? Like four or five years of undergrad? So undergrad was six years. Six years. Uh, wow. Six years plus plus. Oh no, it was six years, but. In these six years, you included six months of a um, internship. Of, no, no, it was, it was uh, like a how do you say uh, a project. Oh, okay. So you, so you you need to end the six years with a project. Uh, it could be applied project or a research project, and there was also the possibility to make this project uh, a year. A full year, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And basically, this is what the the, um, the path that I took. I took the one year project mm -hmm. because basically I wanted to get something that was more like a, a a master thesis. I wanted to go into research, and I wanted to spend a full year doing research. Ah, okay. So when you follow the six year uh, uh, option, mm -hmm. uh, basically it was a very applied project that it has nothing. I mean, there was no research involved. So if you want to do some research, you need to take this full year. Oh. But did, did you earn the, the master's degree after this one year, or you still have to do ma pursue the, the master's? No, was, this was only to get the undergrad diploma. Okay. So after this six years and a half, <laughs> I was a mathematical engineer. Wow, right? six years. <laughs> yeah, that's too long, yeah. If I, I wanted to pursue IMSC, mm -hmm. uh, there was two options. Either I did it after getting the mathematical engineering diploma, mm -hmm. or there were some, and I think there still are, some MSCs that allow you to take some common courses that will be credited at the same time for the undergrad mm -hmm. as for the grad studies. So many people did that. So and when you did that, you were capable of having of making seven to seven and a half years. Okay. Uh, by, uh, so I, and in the end, you will have the engineering and MSc diploma. But it is not what I did. 
Okay, so uh, I just just before that, uh, I had one question. Did you learn any coding? Did you, you were exposed to any coding courses at that time? Yes, so in the first semester, we had to take one programming object-oriented programming course. Oh, really? uh, in our case, it was Java. So, so they, we learned they, Java. They start teaching Java uh, like uh, prior to C? Right from the start. Oh, okay. Right from the beginning. Uh, at my time was Java. It, uh, it stayed in Java for, for many years. Before, before Java, it was Turing. Really? It's a very un yeah, it was, it's some very unknown uh, yeah. programming language. Uh -huh. I, 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 I never known anyone who does professional, <laughs> I mean, serious things in Turing. Okay. But this is what they did before I enter. So uh, when, when I started with Java, uh, and I, I think they, they still do Java, they probably do Python now. So basically what they, they, they normally, they choose some programming language which is object-oriented, so rich enough so you can uh, learn the concepts of object-oriented programming, mm -hmm. um, but easy enough also to teach. So I, they, they will never choose, uh, I don't think they, they will choose C++ for instance as a yeah, yeah, programming yeah. language right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So yes, I learned Java and then uh, when I started working on my on my project project in the end, mm -hmm. uh, I learned C plus plus by yourself, like you, you, at the time, or there was no Google at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so it was myself books. Uh -huh. uh, there was Alta Vista. Alta Vista, yeah, I remember it. Yeah, uh, Yahoo, so Alta Vista. Alta. There, yeah, they were like uh, yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. Ah. So. So like you have to learn by yourself and uh, so was it that uh, during that time that you start coding and doing your first, having your first experiments on operations research and optimization? Do you remember exactly. what you so, did? How, what was your project? So my project was, uh, uh, I approached a professor in the civil engineering department. Oh, right. from all the so courses. Was, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, but he, he is Christian Cortez. So, okay. uh, now we are a good, very good friends. So he was uh, he, he was landing at the University of Chile as an assistant professor. Okay. So it was his first year, and he was in search for students. Is he from, is he from Chile? He's, or? Yeah, he's from Chile. Okay. So he was uh, in the search for students, and actually I approached another professor of mine, mm -hmm. uh, Roberto Cominetti, and at that time, he told me that he had no projects to offer me. And uh, uh, so he was sorry he couldn't uh, put me to work in any of his projects. He had nothing to, mm -hmm. for, that would fit in my, on my, in, with my interest. And he, so he suggested me to contacting uh, Christian. Uh, he told me, look, there is this uh, young professor. He just arrived uh, a few months ago. He's, uh, I, I know he's working on things that you may find interesting and he's uh, in need of uh, undergrad students. So I contacted the, a Christian. He had this project that was basically a continuation of what he did in his thesis, uh, but from an or, our perspective. Okay. So I work on a pickup and delivery problem with transfers, which is now my most cited paper. You know, it, uh, it, it, so this one year project ended up becoming a, a research paper. That's, uh, that's we, awesome. So we got to publish it in Ejor in 2010. 
and now, now it has almost 300 citations. I think it has 260, 270 on Google oh, Scholar. Oh, that, but that's already uh, very, very impressive. Uh, I had a, I had a friend, uh, I have a friend, Renaud Masson, uh, as um, most of the guys from our field, he was at some point, he was in Montreal for his postdoc, but he's from France. He did his PhD there mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and he worked on the dial right problem with transfers. So that was the first mm -hmm. time I heard about this, uh, pro this type of problems. Like it's also pickup delivery, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I probably has, I think he, he should have cited your work. Uh, so, I mean, that's already pretty impressive. So uh, I, I suppose you submitted the paper after finishing. Like yeah, of course. Look, I, fi I finished in 2005. Okay. And the paper got accepted in 2009. Ah, okay. And it was published in 2010. So w what was happening? Well, what was going on during that period? Uh, sorry, during that time. So as soon as I finished in my undergrad in 2005, uh, I moved to Montreal. So uh, I told Christian, look, Christian, I would like to, to, to do a PhD. I would like to go, uh, actually, I would like to go to Canada because I really like the, the, uh, the undergrad project. And I said, look, what, what is the, the best uh, place in the world where I can continue doing some big routing? And he said, Canada. So he put me in touch with people in Canada. And so this is how I ended up contacting Bernard Gendron and Jean-François Cordeau, who were indeed my advisors for my PhD. So, so in 2005, 3 of September of 2005, <laughs> I was landing in Montreal. Uh -huh. And Bernard Gendron was waiting for me at the exit oh the that, how nice of him right? yeah so, very nice very nice of him but how was the application like you just okay i'm going to submit an application an email uh, how, how can you can you elaborate more on how was the, the like in the process so i so the whole process was first i talked to christian mm -hmm. and to roberto community also mm -hmm. and i told them look i i wanted to apply to montreal uh i I asked them if they were willing to support my application. They were very nice and very kind to tell me yes. Um, and then also it was because of their support that I, when I contacted uh, Bernard and Jean-Francois, I told them about Christian and mm. about Roberto. Uh, and this is a piece of advice for many uh, undergrad or MSc students who are uh, looking for a PhD position, you know, a hot PhD position in a hot place like it'll be Montreal or, <laughs> or you know some other places in the US for instance uh, always use your advisor or I mean not use but ask your advisor to support your application because professors don't don't know students so if you know from all of sudden we receive and plenty of emails and the only way in which we can refer to somehow to the uh, background of that potential students is by means of a referral of a reference to someone we know. So if a Brazilian student writes me from nowhere, tell me I'd like to go to a PhD to with you, it's not the same as if it's Anand Subramanian who contacts me and tells me, look, I have this very good student who would like to do a PhD with you. That actually uh, happened. So <laughs> that ex exactly that actually happened, and I think it's very important. So it's a piece of advice for for this uh, potential future students. Uh, ask your advisor to support your application. It's very important. Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to that later. <laughs> so following the 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 period that you arrived in Montreal, it was two thousand five, right? And yes. You 
which which uh, uh, school you, you chose? Like, uh, is, was it m applied math or uh, management or computer science? So it was, uh, yeah, it was computer science at the University of Montreal. Okay. So Bernard Gendron was mm. a professor there. He was my advisor, and Jean-François, who was at HCC, was my co-advisor. Mm. Okay. But in the end, you know, they, they, they split the job evenly. So it's just, uh, in Montreal, there's this tradition where uh, professors share the split, the task of supervising students, because it gives also the students a broader view of their research project. So uh, I think it's, 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 I mean, it's something um, very nice. So you can, for instance, in my case, I got to benefit from both Bernard's and Jean-François expertises, which were complementary. And I think it's, 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 it's something that these students appreciate a lot. Be having the possibility to, to have two uh, professors with complementary expertises to uh, supervise their work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's why it's, very, it's a very common practice uh, all over the place. And, uh, and I heard that there in Montreal, it's, uh, it's quite uh, like it's the rule almost, right? It's, uh, yes, 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 yes. It's, it, it's rare to have a, a professor that supervises alone mm -hmm. students. Mm -hmm. It may happen, but mm -hmm. uh, if, even, even if a professor has the means, the economical, I mean, financial means to support a student, often he will ask some of his colleagues to for 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 help uh, but also because you know we know that uh, it, it helps it's good for the student to have these two people with complementary expertises supporting his uh, his work yeah yeah did you have the chance to pick up your topic or they were just like given to you i mean i think you should have done like some courses before right the first year i suppose or well, more or less. In my case, it was funny. I remember quite well. For first meeting with Jean-François and Bernard, they told me, Claudio would like to work on this uh, location routing problem, which is a problem that uh, arises in an industrial project that we have. Okay. So there will also be money. There's a company and there will be money involved in this project that will mean so your, your scholarship will be in part covered by this company, right? Mm -hmm. Second uh, meeting, like a month later, the company is not supporting us anymore. The, the, <laughs> this project, it's, it's not going to be financed any longer by the company. So now you, you will keep the project, mm -hmm. but now there is no company involved. So basically you can, ha you can do whatever you want in this uh, subject, which was, it was, I mean, I think it was something very nice in the sense that I had a lot of freedom to push my, my my PhD project in the direction that I wanted. Yeah, that's... And they were very nice to me, so they advised me well, but in the same time, they gave me sufficient uh, freedom to push the project to whatever directions I, I, I thought it was uh, promising. Oh, nice. But you, you had to take courses, right? Or like, sure. So like for a year, yeah, I, for a year period, more or less? I think it was... I think one one and a half or two years. It depends on this this call. I think in Montreal, it was one of the places where you take the least number of courses. Mm -hmm. I remember. I think it was two two courses, credited courses, plus two non-credited courses, 
So basically the credit courses were optimization courses mm -hmm. and the non-credit ones were uh, computer science courses. So in, they were all mandatory, but there was a distinction between the credited and the non-credit ones because the non-credit ones didn't impact your your grades in the end. Yeah. So I suppose you passed with flying colors, which are all with your six and a half years background from Chile. Uh, yeah, well, I, mean, I was lucky. I mean, yes, I had. I was. Uh, was uh, I, I was a plus in all courses, and then I passed <laughs> the the qualifying exam. It was also the highest market. Uh, that's that's but fantastic. Yeah, that's Carol, Caroline Rocha and I. We were the two A pluses in the exam. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's pretty hard to achieve. Uh, yeah, I could not actually, expect less from like, you. <laughs> you know, it was it was a qualifying exam that was taken by fifteen or to twenty people, and it was passed by half of them. Oh, so half of the people didn't pass the qualifying yeah. exam. Yeah, I know things could be things can be very hard and tough. I know I know some guys that have like just resigned. I mean, uh, they just uh, did not continue doing PhD because uh, mainly due to the qualification process, even the courses. So I know it can be hard. Uh, but you went straight from Chile to Montreal, and I mm -hmm. I suppose you took classes in French or was it there were in English. I was all in French. Uh huh. I when I first put foot on in Montreal. I was not able to count from one to ten in French. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this can be uh, challenging. Uh, yeah, and two days later, I was attending courses in French. So lucky me, you know, it was because it was optimization courses. Uh -huh. It was classical optimization courses. It was uh, network flows and non-linear programming. Mm -hmm. So there were things that uh, one way or another I, uh, I saw in Chile. So mm -hmm. things that I knew more or less in advance. I don't know. I'd say at more than fifty percent things that I knew already. Yeah. So that helped. That helped me a lot. So it was all in French, but even though it was all in French, it was capable of following the courses uh, at almost a hundred percent. Even if I wasn't understanding what the person in front of me was trying to say, uh, also because it was math, mm -hmm. I was able to follow what they were writing in the on the on the shortboard anyway. Yeah. And how about English? When you arrived in, in Montreal, you, I mean, you were, you were already uh, like experienced fluent in English as well, or you also had to. Yeah, well, that was less than less of an issue, but uh, but still, you know, you you know, I, I was only exposed to the English spoken by Chileans, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the same the same thing happens for for people. Going from Brazil, yeah, yeah. you spoke in English to another Brazilian. It's very quite easy to to understand. To understand yeah, other. because they like tend to translate literally from Portuguese, and exactly, that happens exactly. also in French. When I when I have some a Brazilian friend that when they speak uh, French, it's much easier to follow uh, because I know yeah. they 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 have the motivation from Portuguese. So exactly, exactly. So it was uh, it was quite a challenge, but of course less of a challenge than French because. It, I mean, in English, I was capable of uh, maintaining a, a communication more or less fluently. Mm -hmm. uh, but in French, I was I was not able to to say three words. Uh, you know, je m'appelle uh, Claudio, and that's it. More or less. <laughs> that was that was my level in French uh, one week uh, upon arrival. Yeah. So and, it was mm. Bernard. Was, uh, I mean, he, he was a visionary. So 
first meeting with him, or even before the first meeting, you know, I went to see him to see him at his office, and he told me, "Look, Claudio, you will enroll in French courses right from the beginning." Mm -hmm. So I enroll in a French course, uh, and uh, I was level two out of ten. <laughs> So because I was capable of saying "Je m'appelle Claudio," that's if you were not able to 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 do that, you were level zero or one. Okay. But because I was able to do that, so I was level well, two. So there there is level zero too. I think so. Okay. I think so. <laughs> so I was I was I was level two. Uh, yeah, it was one semester courses, and then the rest was just I mean trying to, to speak to people. It was, it's a process, you know. Sure, I know. Even though, even today, 15 years later, uh, I still make many mistakes, much less than 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, I still do quite, uh, quite many mistakes. Yeah. So the English you learn in school, uh, or did you have to take any uh, some course outside the, the university or, or the regular school there in Santiago? No, it was it was at school, but I think I, I, I I've always had a quite a, a more or less good ear. So, uh, so I when when I'm learning something, I try to pay attention to what I'm learning, and with languages especially, mm -hmm. uh, I try to keep my ears open all the time uh, to learn about the pronunciation, the grammar, the syntax. Uh, so, uh, but living here in Montreal and speaking with many people, I've also improved my English, my French quite a lot but I think it's because of that because I keep my ears open all the time yeah that's, and that's also because when people answer when people speak and they say things that okay this is said in this way and this way and this way and this is the right grammar and this is the right word and this is the right pronunciation and I try to to retain that in my mind for the, the time when I will have to do the same mm -hmm. you know you you do it in the right way yeah that's very very nice piece of advice um and so how long did it take the phd like five six years again i took six years oh. bigger but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah bit, but it was because uh, i mean it's a funny story so I, I i was given this uh this topic of uh, location routing mm -hmm. uh, and because of my background as a mathematical engineer I decided I wanted to do exact algorithms for right. this problem. Yeah. And uh, unlike me, there was uh, some very smart people in other places working on the exact same problem. I know. Right? Yeah, I know how it feels. Yeah, I, I know. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they had they had started before I did. Yeah, I know so that too. I, <laughs> so when I was in my third or fourth year, there was this paper, but basically uh made all all my f current findings trivial okay so i had to i mean uh, i had to work two times uh, harder you know to to make uh, a, a contribution and then when i was like in my fourth to fifth year there was uh, some other people also in italy working on the same problem <laughs> same thing so, so they put me to work quite hard to be able to actually to make a contribution. Wow. And the sixth year, the sixth year was because you know Jean-François Bernard once told me, "Look, Claudio, you've been already five years here. You already have two papers. That's good. Uh, I think we can you can um, finish your PhD with these two papers." 
Um, but I told them, look, with two papers, I will not be able to land an academic position anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, give me six more months, and I will give you a third paper. So you and said that say, to them, okay. right? Okay. Yes. And they say, okay, six more months. And in six months, I did my third paper. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm lucky me. So the things I tried in the six months work. Uh -huh. And I was capable of having this uh, third paper published. So it, it took a lot of time, but because you know, was, uh, the timing was uh, was very difficult in the sense that I mean, some other very smart people uh, didn't help at uh, making my PhD uh, uh, shorter. Yeah, Martinelli was also joking yesterday. He was telling that uh, he was working in dark routing, right? So. There is like the, the, the paper that came uh, just when he was like close to finish his work. And then the, the one paper came, I think from Enrico Bartolini. Ah, and yeah. He, mm -hmm. And he was like very, really upset. The carp, right? Yeah, exactly. Carp, arc routing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Enrico did that while in Montreal. Yeah. So, so actually we were sharing office. So we were office mates with Enrico. Oh, that's, that's great. So Martinelli told that when he arrived there, he was so pissed off. And then you were selling really good things about, no, come on, this guy is really, really cool. Uh, oh, no, and then, yeah, I think so, he's a very cool guy. He's a very smart guy as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where he's now. I, I, I never so met him, so I just heard, uh, because especially yeah. because, uh, you know, exact rhythm, small community, you end up knowing more yeah. or less what's going on. So if Enrico is listening, ciao, Enrico. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what you mean? You mentioned that uh, you, you had two other papers during the PhD. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what they were about? Like, of course you remember, but can you tell me? Um, <laughs> What they were about. So the, the, first, the first paper it was uh, it started as a branch and cut for a location routing, uh -huh. but because there was this other branch and cut that just came out uh, a few months earlier than us, uh, it became a comparison of flow formulations for the location routing. Okay. So basically, we had four four different formulations for the problem, and mm -hmm. uh, we compared them uh, computationally, basically. Okay, so why did you publish that? Do you remember? It was, uh, I think it was CNR. CNR. So at that time, you already yeah. have an EJOR, like, I mean, going on, right, from the undergrad. Uh, yeah, it was the EJOR that they got published from the undergrad, and then you had the CNR. And then what did you do then the later? Then the second paper was uh, column generation for the location routing as well. Mm -hmm. oh. this, uh, got, this got published in JUC. Ah, that's, that's yeah, nice. not bad, not bad. Uh, and the third was uh, a materialistic the problem that i know and yeah this, yeah yeah and this uh, this uh, was published in the journal of heuristics yeah i know that one uh -huh. yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. so you did the entire phg on location routing like so you still like, yes. six years dreaming of like depots and uh, exactly <laughs> still customers. now i do i do, <laughs> I do nine more that. yeah 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 i i, I worked with a multi-depot uh but uh i knew that there was a there was like strong competition on the location routing and after i think seeing your paper i think mm, maybe i'll just pass <laughs> Skip that. yeah because i mean yeah. you, you've done quite a work there um uh, and uh, like, there's another i did a recent paper from uh, huslan and uh, yeah. his team in, in Bordeaux about this problem. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I have to check. Yeah, I have to talk to Ruslan. Uh, I mean, they, uh -huh. I, I know they worked recently on the two echelon uh, with Guillaume Marquez. He's uh, a. Yeah. Uh, but like, we we are we have strong connections with them. Uh, Ruslan was even here at our place, uh, mm -hmm. like in, in Jean Pessoa, 
and we we are collaborating now with uh, the company of Francois van der Beek and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember Vitor when you came here a younger guy very blonde very I, I don't remember Vitor but I was told that he joined uh, I mean he helped Francois I believe to yeah to start the company right yeah right yeah I sent him there to Bordeaux for uh, masters he joined already in the second year he excelled mm-hmm. he was a very good student and we I I mean he was originally intended to do PhD but then he changed his mind and went to the industry and now he's uh, collaborating with us as well so mm-hmm. we, we are trying to to like grow and then develop together uh mm-hmm. he's a very enthusiastic of julia and all, and all that i was very happy to mm-hmm. see him uh, improving and uh, it was nice uh just like luciano right uh, and mm-hmm. and uh so do you have any other good memories from the phd period uh, i know you you met some brazilians like daniel aloisi and alison it's a very it's a very fun time it was from 2005 until 2011 uh, I made many friends, um, uh, many of them who are colleagues now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Daniel, I, I mean, we, we were uh, classmates with Daniela Lois, so mm-hmm. we're, we're from the same year uh, with Caroline Rocha. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alison Costa, he was uh, three years older than me. I mean, he was, uh, yes, he, he started his PhD three years before me, I believe. So we crossed for uh, one or two years, I think mm-hmm. probably two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those were the Brazilians mm-hmm. and I, I made some other very, very good friends. So there's Gerardo Berbeglia, who's a very good friend now in Australia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Melbourne. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, this is something else uh, that I tell to, to the students. Uh, your, the, the time at which you do your PhD is the time at which you will do the most of your networking. Yeah, exactly. You know, all yeah. these people with whom you hang out at night, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. With the people with whom you go to clubs, you know, and you go to, 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 to get drinks. Mm-hmm. Those people, many of those people will be your colleagues eventually in uh, within five to ten years. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I so know it's a time it's a time of networking as well yeah so like the the, the way you you were you were talking about your phd years i think uh, i think you had a blast right you you had a very good time of course there's like yeah, yeah, ups was, and downs uh, but that's all part of life uh i mean doing a phd it's it's all about it's a roller coaster also, uh, at times right yes 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 yes, yes. and i think it's the the important thing is to um is the confidence to be self-confident to to so when you're in the in the down part of the roller coaster to tell okay this is not going to last forever you know it's it's normal that you may have a few months where you do nothing uh, but eventually something you know a bulb will light up and you will go up again Uh, and it's all about being able to handle all that oh great yeah yeah another good piece of advice uh, uh yes i yeah, sometimes things are just doesn't work, and uh, I, I I joke around saying that uh, I spend most of my time in the PhD. I think not most of the my time, but a considerable amount of time uh, doing things that it didn't work. But I yeah, learned I learned a lot during that process. Like uh-huh. I was working with uh, not only with uh, Luis Satoru Ochi, but also with Eduardo Shaw. He was my co-advisor, so we tried many st- many things for for uh, many exact uh, strategies uh, back then too. Uh, like, uh, you know, trying to improve bounds and trying another types of value inequalities. And in the end, it didn't work out, but you end up like gaining a lot of background and experience, you know, coding. You know, I don't have, 
I don't have the number exactly, mm -hmm. but I, if, if you ask me, I will say that I, I ended up publishing more or less 20 to 25% of the things I ever did. Yeah, uh, that, that makes a lot of and, sense. <laughs> and the other 75% is went to the trash can for some reason. Yeah, I know. So, well, uh, you, have finished, you had finished your PhD, I suppose, 2011? Uh-huh. Okay, I finished 2012, so I think we are doing PhDs, because I did in four years, uh, uh -huh. but I did masters, so like two plus four, then six years again, in that case. Mm -hmm. But I think you're the first person I, I've ever met that did six and a half years of undergrad, and I mean, doing really good course, not failing, because you can fail and take too much time to finish. And then you spend six years doing PhDs, so that is, uh, that's uh, like the guy that really wants, you know, likes to be... <laughs> uh, <laughs> And after that, what happened? Like postdoc, or you just you found a position? So, so yeah, in 2005 I finished, and, uh, and at 11, the, the, the 2011. Sorry, yeah, yeah, 2011. Mm -hmm. So I finished, and there were no positions open at the time. Uh, I wanted to go to academia, so I decided to ask for to, to senior people if they had open position for postdocs. Uh, so this is how I met uh, Louis Martin also. Okay. Uh, who gave me the possibility of working with him for six months in a project? Mm -hmm. It's a bike sharing project, which yeah. gave me my second, mm -hmm. my my second most cited paper, which is unpublished. Okay, it's not published. It's uh, yeah, it's not published. Okay, so like a technical uh, it's report. It's a technical report. It's like on a dynamic, has, dynamic. Uh, ver yes, dynamic? it has more than twenty. Yeah, I know. Twenty like two hundred. 250 citations. I see that paper cited all, all over the place because I have some experience with bike sharing as well. So that's why I, re I, I remember it. Yeah. 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 It's mo mis my second most cited paper. Well, probably the first even. Okay. So, <laughs> so the undergrad <laughs> and unpublished work, they are the most yeah. relevant work according to the community. Maybe. To Google Scholar. Yeah. 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 Uh, we should have tried probably to publish it somewhere somewhere else but uh, what happened is that after the six months um, uh, well the the, the the deeps project was only for six months mm -hmm. so the, with it finished I needed to find something and I met Guy Desonier mm -hmm. who was was very kind to offer me a postdoc position and mm -hmm. uh, we also work on a project that didn't end up being published. Okay. So we worked for uh, we were very hard to to for in in I mean we tried a few things for uh, a problem with split delivery and synchronization. Yeah, that's all. Like split delivery alone, it for exact algorithms is really really, yes. really tough. Yes. And synchronization so is also very annoying. Yeah, the idea was to add the synchronization layer on top of uh, the uh, the split delivery things. Uh, we have a few idea, a few ideas. Uh, but one of these ideas was theoretically bad, I mean, wrong. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we realized after a few months that uh, the foundation of this idea were wrong in the sense mm -hmm. that uh, they, they will not give us an optimal situation. Okay. Uh, so you ended up dropping this. And there was another thing that which was good. But uh, Guy was never confident that it was enough to deserve publication. So in the end, this this project like kept slipping for a, for a very long time. And I think that Guy, I believe that Guy later uh, took him with uh, some other people. Okay. Uh, so yes, it was. I spent like a year, uh, but I didn't. I wasn't able to publish anything in this year. Uh, and in parallel, I got this position at UCAM that I started in 2012. 
Okay, but so at, I think you got married at that time or before? Ah, uh, yes, in 2012, in 2010, I got married with, uh, to my wife uh-huh. in Chile. So, yeah, she's from uh, Colombia, right? Colombia. I met her. She's, yeah, very, she's yeah, very, she's very married. kind, very, very kind. We met in Colombia. She, sorry, we met in Montreal. Uh-huh. She's from Colombia. Yeah. And uh, I think we, we met in 2009 or 20, yeah, 2009, I believe. Uh, we got married in 2012. Okay. In January 2012. So uh, it was we turned nine years of marriage na- uh, last week actually, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, congratulations! Uh, yes. and in June I started at UCAM, June twenty twelve. Okay, so like you 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 work with many people there, right? At least five, uh, four or five professors, like top professors. So you should have were like in Montreal, right? In, no, no, in, in Montreal. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean with. I, I, I work with many people. I mean, as, as I told you, for instance, with uh, in this project with uh, with Louis Martin, mm-hmm. in the end it wasn't published. So it was Louis Martin and Catherine Morancy. So I, I mm-hmm. work with, with with two of them. Mm-hmm. But this, I mean, we we never get the chance to publish this in a paper in a journal. Um, but I work with Guy. I work with uh, with um, with Jean Francois, with Bernard, mm-hmm. um, with Daniel. Alois, in clustering, so right? This, uh, you work in, in clustering. Yes, uh, yeah, we we did a few things, and we, we, and, we and we we still have. We were submitted a paper like one or two months ago mm-hmm. on something else. Oh no, yeah, no. Yes, with uh, with people at UCAM, I have a few papers also, and um, you know, I mean, I, I I I did a lot of projects with many of the of my now former colleagues. <laughs> so now like in 2012 there was I think uh, Martinelli was telling me that I think there was a conference there I'm not sure if it was like Colin Generation or uh, or J-Opt I'm not sure that you published the the along with Stefan Rock I think uh, the uh, yes there was there was this there was this uh, this Colin Generation workshop which is organized every four years uh-huh. uh, so it was yeah, no. 2012 16 It was supposed to be 2020, but it was canceled. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. I think it was postponed at first, and then mm-hmm. it got canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got, we just got news from uh, from um, from Guy. They're uh, they're they're well, I mean, they want to organize something which will not be a presential workshop, but mm-hmm. something online. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, so yes, in so in 2012, yes, I met I met with with, the, with Martinelli. So I was. Uh, I was in this project working for the CVRP. I wanted to do a, a exact method for the CVRP. Uh, when I told Jean-François Cordo, I, I asked Jean-François, my former advisor at the time, uh-huh, sure. what did he think about working on the problem? He told me, look, this, the danger is that the CVRP, there's, I mean, there's two dangers. First, that you will not be able to improve anything, <laughs> right? So you were working a lot for nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, the second, and the second danger, even, even if you improve something, Uh, people may find that it's not enough because the CVRP is a so restricted problem. So do something else. So do, do something else that has the CVRP as a byproduct. Okay. So I work here on the multi-depot VRP, mm-hmm. uh, from which the CVRP is only a particular case, right? And also it's close uh, to the location routing as well, not very far, so yeah, you can profit from the experience. Yeah, location routing. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I work on this, and yes, and I was able to close this uh, instance that was open for... For for I don't know twenty five years probably yeah yeah, yeah so how how and, did it, uh, I mean, how did it feel like uh, how was it uh, how did uh, I mean it was it was it, it was uh, quite a ride because he, 
uh, I think that the, the, the lower and the upper bounds were very far from, uh, from, yeah, yeah. from each other. So I tried a few things and I realized that there was, it was possible to improve the bound, but you know, at some very expensive computing time. So I worked very hard into being able to achieve that bound within some, I mean, trying to do some tricks to keep the computational burden control. Okay. So, so I, I, I did a few things in a very escalated way. Uh-huh. Um, but try, I mean, trying to keep control of the things. I mean, trying to avoid as much as possible the, uh, the exponential explosion. And this is how I was able in the end to come to a, a much better lower bound than the ones that were known in the literature. And uh, when they with lower bound, when with this lower bound, uh, uh, I was able then to close the gap by doing a, a bunch of other tricks. But yeah. it's worked for this instance, mm-hmm. but for the larger instance, it didn't work. I mean, I, I was able to push the bound, but it was this, this amount that I was wasn't sufficient to close the instances. So yeah, so they, this uh, one M one fifty one K twelve. Yeah, it was, was the largest. This was the largest one that I could uh, tackle. So that is uh, when you know that people starting like they really the community started to know who who was Claudio Contado. You think that was after you closed that instance? Yeah, I mean the people the people in 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 commemoration for Rico routing. So the I, I wasn't in the radar of anyone until that moment, yeah. right? Uh, and then, yes, I got approached by, by, by Eduardo, Ushoa, and Marcos, and yeah. uh, we eventually became uh, some very good friends. And uh, so uh, till today, we, we haven't collaborated that much, but we know each other. And uh, I'm, I'm, so I, we, uh, I mean, I think we're, we're collaborators, even if I'm, even if we don't uh, have any well, project. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard that when, when they like, look, this guy from Chile, <laughs> Contardo, <laughs> Contardo, he solved that. So okay, oh nice. Who's this guy? Is that like, is the so? Uh, uh, I think you you became quite famous uh, after solving that, and, and it's. Uh, do you, what do you like? What exactly? I mean, you you provided like a, a very uh, friendly explanation, but technically speaking, what what actually was the key ingredient uh, to, to that al- allowed you to solve that? So, and so, how how long did it took so, computationally? So, so, uh, so for that instance, I believe the key was to uh, to be able to do um, uh, enumeration. Enumeration, right? Yeah. Yes, but in a way that wasn't the standard way. So, you know, there was this enumeration trick. It was uh, first used for Rico routing by Aristide uh, Mingozzi and Reto Baldacci, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that. Jen so Roots. They had this, yeah, so they had this method, so this, uh, this uh, iterative method, basically, in where you, you, you compute uh, uh, lower bounds. We, one which is tighter than the previous one, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and in the end, they do uh, enumeration mm-hmm. and they solve a MIP with mm-hmm. the enumerated columns. Mm-hmm. So what happened with the MN 120, 151 mm-hmm. it was when you try that, you ended up with, I don't know, 20 million columns. Okay, so you cannot so just even if, were, yeah. even if you were able to enumerate these 20 million columns, you were not able to Push them into 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 MIP into uh-huh. Cplex, right? Uh-huh. 
but then it was a, a very simple trick. So basically I said, okay, what if instead of passing these 20 million columns to Ciplex, I rather keep doing column numeration, but instead of solving a pricing by some elementary short spot problem, I do the pricing by inspection, by looking and computing the reduced cost for each and one each, I mean, for, yeah, for each of the 20 million columns. Mm-hmm. So this allows you to, uh, and, and, and the thing is when you do this, you're able to, because you don't have to solve elementary shortage of the problem anymore, you can be more aggressive in the addition of cuts. Mm-hmm. So adding more cuts allows you to improve the bound even mm-hmm. more. And because you improve the bound, then you can do uh, reduced cost fixing. Yes. It's not the same doing reduced cost fixing f- with a gap of 5% than with a gap of 1% mm-hmm. than with a gap of 0 to 1%. Mm-hmm. So there's 20 million columns that you had in the beginning. After, some, after adding a very aggressive cuts, I was able to improve the bound a lot. And in the end, you end up passing to Ciplex uh, 10,000 columns. Oh, which is already very, very doable. Yeah. Yeah. And then you pass it to Ciplex and Ciplex solves this in, not in a matter of seconds, but in a matter of minutes. Yeah. Right. So this was a trick that hadn't been tried before. Mm. So people were able to enumerate, but they, they, they didn't know what to do with 20 million columns. Right. So you have the, 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 the bunch of columns, but I think instead of doing pricing, because you already had the, the columns enumerated, you're doing like basically doing inspection, right? Yeah, you just do the pricing, but you do pricing by inspection, inspection right? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> then you can add as much cuts as you want, like because non-robust cuts or whatever, exactly. because you, you, yeah, yeah. You, I asked uh, who actually uh, told me that, explaining that was Telbaldo. I think you met him here and you met mm-hmm. him again. Yeah, so he was telling, yeah, the, the enumeration by Claudio and Martinelli, because I think you formally published that with Martinelli later, right? No, so 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 I uh, I published a technical report as a single author, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But yeah. then I met, when I met Rafa, mm-hmm. uh, Rafa is, uh, is a very much better programmer than I. <laughs> so he gave me a lot of advice, actually, on how what would be the, the right data structures, for instance, okay. to, to, for, for many of the things, for the pricing, but also for the master problem. So he helped me a lot into making my code, code as efficient as possible. Okay. So this is why, in the end, the, the paper was a two-authors paper, okay. because uh, I was able, I mean, with uh, Rafa's help, we were able to cut the the uh, the computational times by I don't know more than a fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. He's very good at it. Since he did a lot of like he participated in a lot of competitions and he's very smart mm-hmm. as well. So he got a mm-hmm. very good background in that. So like uh, now you're uh, you know famous, <laughs> and then you got a position that you can you got married, uh, mm-hmm. establish yourself, uh, and like then you 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 spent. Uh, eight years or eight, nine mm-hmm. years, uh, uh, eight, and a half. eight and a half. And during that period, I, uh, in 2016, the, I know you're, you're, you like soccer very much. So you came to Brazil to watch 14, 14. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, there's the, yeah, I, I, I there's the Olympics. I think was, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I also was there in 2016 for the culmination. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know that's, I think Taubaldo met you there. He was, he was telling me. Uh, so 2014, it's like uh, when you you came and you uh, it was funny because you came 
Uh, I remember, right? We, we, we spoke over the phone and we, you came and you texted me. Uh, you met uh, Manu Yori. He was there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And then we, we, we watched one World Cup match. I think the first half we saw in a restaurant or something or in a small mall yeah. nearby. Costa Rica against Italy. Italy, yeah. So we are all supporting Costa Rica. Back then. Terrible game for Italy. Yeah, and Manuel. Ter terrible game. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the Ticos no? from Costa Rica, as uh, they, they say it. So we watched the second half at, at my place. I don't know if you remember, yes, you remember. and Clara and, uh, and, the, and the boys. And Manuel was very upset because Italy lost yeah, that, yeah. that match. And that is when you met Luciano, and that's what you were talking, as we were talking previously, is when I think we, I approached you and, and we asked what was, uh, what, I mean, were there any possibilities of uh, sending him there? And I, I, he knew French because during his undergrad period, he spent, a, he spent an exchange program in France, and he's very good in languages, so. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we started talking, and then after a couple of months, maybe, I don't know, a couple of, Later, I think we contacted you once again, and then you arranged and you helped uh, finding the position for Luciano with uh, with Guy, right? And mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I think Luciano is going to watch this probably, and and he's like, w how was it working with Luciano? <laughs> it, was, it was very nice. Was, I mean, Luciano is uh, is an excellent researcher, but it's a better, it's even a better person. Yeah, so. yeah. So uh, now I was telling you so. so Working with Luciana was uh, was uh, a terrific time. So I was uh, very happy to be able to supervise his work. He grew up to become a very and um, researcher. So uh, yeah. yeah, I I, and, I think uh, he also he, yes. Tell me. No, yeah, I think uh, he also was like he was chose a, a very hard path as well, like working on a. Uh, pick up delivery problem with time windows that is that is very hard and there's a competition as well there yeah so, yes. so we, he started working on the pickup and delivery problem with time windows we tried a few things we went and they're still there's they're not abandoned they're sleeping now mm -hmm. so they, they, they put them to sleep because he tried a few things that didn't work that well so this is something that then we probably we need to fine-tune to, to to better understand why this idea didn't work but to him, I mean, we, he was mature enough to to Let be able go. to say, okay, I will put this to sleep, and I will try to focus on something else. And we ended up working on some different, some other things that are also related to column generation, but not pickup and delivery. So uh, I think he has uh, uh, one paper in. Uh, one is for selective pricing for. Uh, for Vicky routing, mm -hmm. right? So uh, yeah, and it has. A, a, I think the survey, right, and transportation science. The, the survey, yeah, the survey uh, in TS. Right? And I think ITOR, uh, uh, International Transactions of British Research, yeah. have the. So, so the, this ITOR thing is the um, is uh, the it's the paper in the selective pricing mm, for. Uh, okay. Okay. Yes, selective pricing for ARC and G routes, mm -hmm. and the third one is under review, uh, in a good journal. Mm -hmm about uh, stabilization technique okay. for uh, for column generation yeah, that we um, call DINSAR, so uh, dynamic separation of aggregated rows, which is a very nice and simple idea yeah, So reduce the generation. I'm very proud of him. Like uh, I saw him, I, you know, starting to code 
and starting to do modeling and you know mm -hmm. uh, and then i made him do all those basics of intro programming uh from uh, simple branch and bound up to college generation and all that and see him doing you know uh, all this advanced stuff it's what i actually sent him to to that's why i sent him there and i and i was so happy to see him uh you know uh, uh getting his phd and and working such a high level and getting all these compliments for you it's very 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 nice uh and, and you know and and this is this is the, the, the i mean it's, being becoming the master in a single subject it's hard mm -hmm. you know but it's not as hard as becoming a master in different subjects uh -huh. and for instance luciano as soon as he finished his phd you know, because of the pandemic, he wasn't able to go back to Brazil right away. He mm -hmm. told me, Claudio, it's possible to try to, if you try, help me to try to find something. So I, I found for him a project with uh, Jean-François Cordeau mm -hmm. and Gerardo Berbeglia in Australia mm -hmm. for doing code generation for revenue management. Oh, nice. Or uh, discrete, discrete choice models, basically. Uh -huh. Right? So it was a completely different application. Right, yeah. Right? Uh, but he, I mean, he was, he, he, he said, no problem. I will, I mean, we had a few ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we brainstormed a little, uh, but then he right away, his, I think at one or two weeks later, he was, he gave us already some preliminary results about this. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's Luciano. Yeah, yeah. This, this is still unfinished. And I think I believe he's still working on this. We're still working on this, but we have some very promising results oh, for man. something which has nothing to do with big routing. Yeah, Luciano, I think he's probably the most hardworking student I ever had, or if not, I mean, one of the most, and if not the most hardworking. He's, he, yeah. I mean, he, he, he worked a lot. He also helps a lot. You know, he's very, mm -hmm. very kind person, helps many very, people. Very kind of helpful yeah, person. He, yeah, he's such a helpful guy that he even helped uh, my, my other students to finish the food, like when they're having lunch, if they're, 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 they were done, <laughs> you'll be eating all, also there. Because he used to arrive like 7 a.m. and st stood there up to 6 p.m. or something like that. He was he was really but leaving the university. And I think, uh -huh. uh, yeah, yeah. So so now, uh, Claudio, you are, um, so what happened? Like, uh, like, it's like a breaking news. You switched jobs. Uh, can you... You know, tell me what happened there. What what was your motivation? And I know you love like uh, doing research uh, and all that. And I, so I assume you're still doing something similar. So there was this opportunity at uh, at ABM. So they were uh, they were they were looking for people to to um, to make part of the uh, development team. Mm -hmm. And I find I found this very interesting. So uh, I say, why not? Uh, you know, doing, uh, I, I like doing big routing. I like doing working on problems, but I mean, I, I found fascinating the idea of, of you know, making an impact on, on I mean, on developing the state of the art solver for a mixed integrated programming. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I, I, I said, okay, why not? And I, I'm, 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 I started two weeks ago, so I, <laughs> As you say, I, I switched jobs. I, I quit uh, my former job, so I'm no longer a professor at UCAM, and I became a full-time uh, software scientist at uh, with IBM. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm part of the development team of uh, Ciplex. Wow! Six, wow! Uh, yeah, yeah. Ago. Uh -huh. That's 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 uh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, and like uh, you know, with this uh, recent trends and. 
hype, you know, there's a lot of uh, talking about machine learning and optimization and, you know, uh, some some re reports are, are often published now and like they're producing really good results. Uh, and sometimes uh, not on the very famous instances or, or on the, the very tough instances, but still they, they report uh, interesting results. So what mm -hmm. are your thoughts uh, regarding the, the this, this, all this uh, hype and all these advances in regarding machine learning and uh, intro programming? Uh, like, do you think how this can be, what's your opinion about that? Well, I think that machine learning has uh, a uh, place into helping MIPS to solve faster, right? Mm -hmm, sure. Uh, you, you need to pay to pay attention on, on what means solving faster, because uh, you may have one technique that uh, solves uh, uh, fifty problems out of a hundred faster, <laughs> but the other fifty much slower. Okay. Uh, so you have to pay attention on which kind of techniques are helpful and when. And this is, I think, this is. Unfortunately, this is something that is not very well understood yet. Yes, yeah. So, uh, so uh, I think that pe people are, are at IBM at CIPS, they, they are aware that there is room for for machine learning to help MIPS. But there is this is still it, it's 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 open in, research question, it's, right? It's still, yeah, I think it's it's it's, it's still uh, there is many things to uh, be answered be, uh, uh, before. So. Uh, and uh, and then there is the, the the other way around. So this there a room for uh, optimization to help in mm -hmm. machine learning. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think that this, I I, I I'd say that that is a little bit better understood. So there is uh, uh, some groups all over the globe that are working on trying to understand machine learning from an optimization viewpoint. And uh, there is there is certainly also room room for 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 that there and uh and, and from 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 an implementation viewpoint i think also ibm is 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 uh interested also in into making all these products so in in, in an in integrating mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of its products so the simplex optimization studio mm -hmm. is uh, is one product that also but that, that this lives in a larger ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So there is, uh, there is uh, um, IBM is is is, is uh, working hard to build a much larger ecosystem that will have machine learning uh, as as a key part of this ecosystem, but will also have a Ziplex optimization studio as one part of this ecosystem as well. So uh, I'm not sure if you can answer that, but. Uh, will we see uh, up more like uh, updated versions of Cplex, like Cplex 13 at some point, or? What? There is already Cplex 20. Oh, I'm not aware of that. I, I was like... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since probably a month ago. Oh, okay. Cplex 20 uh, came out probably one or two oh, months ago. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. I so you'll, they're yeah, still yeah. there. They're still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, uh, there is. Uh, okay. So there are things happening. Because Th I saw, like, you know, that there were like tweets, uh, like some months ago. I, mm -hmm. I remember that there were some tweets. I don't have Twitter, but they, they, I had like half a dozen people showing me. Look, look, this. Uh, uh, is it Suplex? Uh, you know, just uh, are they dropping? Are they, are they, are they going to discontinue? But 
like uh, hearing from you that there are things happening. It's it's very nice and looking mm -hmm. forward to. I mean, I've been using Cplex myself. I don't know from more than 10 years easily, uh, 12, 13 years. Go try Cplex 20. So Cplex 20 uh, from the, uh, because you know, this when, when you download it, it's the Cplex optimization studio. So you have the Cplex optimizer, you have the concept programming optimizer, you have OPL, Okay, right? yeah, the whole package, right. Uh, yeah. So uh, in particular with Cplex, you know, the Cplex optimizer, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that are brand new in the new version is that it's capable of finding uh, primal solutions quicker. Ah, okay. Some nice so, heuristics there. Uh, uh, yes. So, so there's a few uh, brand new heuristics. As actually, it's a parameter, a new parameter that you can put in the um, when you when you set the emphasis parameter. Okay. MIP emphasis. Mm -hmm. uh, there were five options. Now there is a sixth option, okay. which is the heuristic. Ah. Uh, if you use this option. Uh, basically, the MIP will still, uh, I mean, if you leave it to run for long, it will still prove optimality. Mm -hmm. But the emphasis will be put into running this new heuristics to find primal solutions uh, quickly. Okay, I, I'll have asked my students to try that. Uh, that's that's very, that's very, that's good news. Like, uh, it's very nice uh -huh. to hear that uh, there's been progress being made. And mm -hmm. looking forward to, to do some testing and see uh, what are the, the features and how, how good is this uh, new emphasis uh, mm -hmm. of Cplex. Uh, anyway, Claudio, uh, I mean, you were such a lovely guy. I, I'm, I'm very, very thankful for your time. I know you're like starting a new job, you're busy and you have like two kids, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, and that I have to go. Uh, put to bed uh, in a few minutes yeah so uh <laughs> I, I i appreciate all all the time all your time and uh it was a huge pleasure talking to you um Likewise. yeah i i wish you all the best i mean i wish uh, everything goes well and you know that this pandemic said that this ends uh soon and you're able to to move to toronto uh mm -hmm. so you can start there and of course, please keep in touch. And I hope to talk to you soon. Ah, <laughs> you can show him, no problem. Where is him? <laughs> Anand. Look at that. <laughs> I can see. I can see a window, not a time window, but I can see a window there. <laughs> now there is no window. No, in his no. in his teeth. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. He lost huh? Yeah. Actually, he lost four teeth, but the two, the two here in the uh, in below, they they already grew, uh -huh. and this was still waiting. Huh? Yeah. Okay. So, Claudio, uh, super nice having you here. Uh, and please keep in touch, and let's talk soon. And I wish all the best in your in your uh, endeavors and your in your new career. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Anne. It was a pleasure also to be here uh, talking to you. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Ciao.